Could you use some inspiration from the scriptures to help you cope with this COVID lockdown situation we all find ourselves in? I dare say you can, and so can I. And so we're beginning a new series based on looking at characters from the scriptures who faced some situations rather similar in some sense to ours. There's no COVID-19 exactly in the Bible, but there are some situations that people found themselves in that challenged their faith, but enabled them and helped them to understand different ways in which God could work through them and in them. And we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. And this is the first class in that series. And today we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul and his situation of being imprisoned, very much a lockdown situation. His circumstances were beyond his controls. We're going to look today at how did he combine the challenges that he faced with faith and see what comes out of that for us, how that might inspire us. So the point of this series is not to say, look at the Apostle Paul or look at Daniel or look at Joseph, how amazing they were and why aren't you that faithful? Uh, that's not the point. The point is to look at those people and to try and, and draw out from their example and their relationship with God some tools and some perspectives that can help us in our faith so that we can live through a time like this in a sense victoriously, knowing that our faith is making all the difference. And I believe that's what we'll find as we study through this today and over the next few weeks. So today, let's talk about Paul. Now, as you probably know, he was arrested and taken to Rome. And let's have a look here in chapter 28, verse 16, where it says, When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. So he was arrested, taken to Rome and put in a house and had a guard. He wasn't allowed, it appears, to go out. And that happened for two, that was like that for two years in Acts 28 verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. I, I'm getting a bit stir crazy after being in my house for a day or a week or a month. And this situation has been going on for a few months. But Paul, hmm, two whole years. So what happened in those two years? Well, Let's do a little bit of Bible study together and see what we can learn. And by the way, I'd like to credit a chap called Mark Copeland, who you could find online, who does some, some superb exegetical outlines of Scripture, and some of these ideas come from him. First of all, let's look at Paul and hospitality. We see in chapter 28 that people um, came to see him in his house. In verse 17, Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they assembled, he said to them, my brothers, and he goes on to talk about the situation. And he speaks to them and they reply that they haven't had any letters. They don't know anything bad about him. But we want to know what your views are. Uh, we know everybody everywhere is talking about this sect, talking about the way, talking about Christianity. And they go away and they come back. And some curiosity has been generated. In verse 23, they come back. They arranged to come back on another day. And Paul talks to them about the kingdom of God, about the law of Moses. Verse 23, tries to persuade them about Jesus. Some are with him, some are against him. And he gives them a bit of a, a challenge. And then he says that goes on for two more years. So what we see about with Paul here is he brings people into his home where he can. 
He's not in control. Uh, he invites them. They don't have to come, of course, uh, but some do come and those he creates curiosity in them and then he challenges them when they come back and tries to explain things. Just because you and I are uh, limited in our ability to engage with people out there in the world more than we normally would be doesn't mean we can't have any impact. Perhaps we can offer some hospitality, even if it's only one person. Perhaps, depending on the rules when this goes out and even in the future, you might not be able to have 25 people around. Perhaps you can only have three or four. But could you host something? Maybe even one person. The best thing is not to look at what we can't do, but what we can do. Let me give you an example from the Watford Church. This last Wednesday we had the men's meeting. And normally we meet on Zoom. Uh, we've been able to pray together sometimes in the park, but at the moment with the weather, we're meeting on Zoom. But what I suggested to the men this week was that we could pair up and one person could go to the other person's house and then we'll have a Zoom meeting, but at least we'll have somebody else in the same house as us. And so a young chap called Richard came to my place and uh, Joe went to Tunde's place, Danny went to Barry's place, Stefan went to Asagi's place. We all sort of doubled up like that. And then we had our meeting and we had a 10 minute section where we just talked together in pairs before we came back and did some more uh, discussion and study together. And I can't tell you how much difference that made to me to have Richard right here where I'm recording this actually, uh, to discuss the issues we were talking about, about deeper friendships. And we bonded uh, so much more deeply, I believe, because we were in the same house. What can you do? Not what can't you do? What can you do? Hospitality is still possible even in this situation. If Paul could do it in, in under house arrest, I dare say we can have some kind of hospitality on some level. That's the first thing we see here about Paul. The second thing we see about Paul is that he loved his housemates. He loved his housemates. Now, if you're on your own completely, you may not be able to uh, connect with this point as much, but most of us are with a spouse or a friend or another family member, and we do have some other people in our house or even in the block, perhaps, where you live if you're living in a flat. Paul loved his housemates. Now, we haven't got time to deal to go into all the detail here, so I'll put the references in the show notes and you'll be able to look at the scriptures here in the handout. But Paul's really interesting that while he's under house arrest in Rome, he has a number of people come and stay with him. It's not mentioned there at the end of Matthew chapter 28, but if you do a little bit of Bible study, you'll see that at one time or another in those two years, Timothy lived with him, Epaphras lived with him, Onesimus lived with him, Tychicus lived with him, Marcus, also called John Mark, lived with him, Aristarchus stayed with him, he's called Paul's fellow prisoner in Colossians 4, Demas was there, Jesus also called Justus, uh, stayed with him, Epaphroditus was with him, Philippians 2 and Philippians 4, the references will be on the handout. And one of the things I see here about Paul is that he wasn't then sulking in his house, keeping people away. He needed people around him. He wanted people around him. Whoever was able to be there with him was with him. And we'll talk more about some of those characters in just a moment. But the way that Paul expressed himself around these people must have been very positive because they partnered in the gospel together. He sent some of these people with letters he wrote, which we'll talk about in a minute, 
off to Colossae, to, uh, to Ephesus and to other places, to Philemon about an Onesimus. He sent them out. They partnered with him in the gospel. He had them there in his house. He had them there with him and they had a mission together. They partnered together in the gospel. And I wonder if you and I can do more of that. Perhaps I can do more of that with Penny, my wife. Perhaps you can do more of that with your spouse, with your friends who are, are close to you. Paul had a tremendous impact on the people that were there with him. Not all of those people were with him all of those two years, but they were all there for at least part of that time. And they partnered together, they worked together. And the way that they were a team, these men were a team with, uh, Paul indicates, that their enforced lockdown only served to strengthen their relationships, their devotion to one another, and strengthen them to engage in the mission of Christ. So I wonder whether we might ask ourselves, what can we do to develop greater depth in our households? How can we as friends or as married couples get deeper with one another? During this period, I must say that Penny and I feel like our relationship has deepened. We have spent more time together. We've talked more together. We've gone for walks more. In some of the evenings when ordinarily we might just watch television or something, we've gone out for a walk around our neighborhood, sometimes just around the block. Um, in the decent weather, that was very easy. But even in the, in the not so nice weather, just to step outside with a raincoat on and to walk around the block, we feel more connected with our neighborhood and we feel more connected with each other. Is there something you could do to strengthen your relationships with those who are sharing your house with you? That's our second point. Thirdly, spreading the word. Though you may be stuck in your house, but the word of God is not chained. And the Apostle Paul saw it this way as well. When you read Colossians, for example, chapter one and uh, Ephesians chapter three, you see his passion for communicating the good news about Jesus that's not diminished by the fact that his freedom is diminished. Now, for example, uh, we might have a look at the fact that he was able to convert Onesimus. Uh, in Philemon, verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. So we see that Paul was effective at converting people uh, even while he was in, in, under house arrest. And perhaps similarly, there are people in our household who could become Christians at this time. This might be the best time for your spouse who's not yet a Christian to become a Christian. It might be the best time for your, your grandparents, if they're with you, to or parents to become Christians. It might be the best time for your teenager to become a Christian. It might be the best time for your housemate, if you're sharing a house with other singles, to become a Christian. This might not be the least likely time, but the most likely time for you to be, in that sense, fruitful. That's how Paul saw it with Onesimus. In, chapter, in Philippians, we see two references which are so inspiring. Philippians 1, 12 and 13. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In other words, being under house arrest. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And then chapter 4, verse 22, all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So it seems what we're noticing here is that Paul made his faith known to his guards, and perhaps those people took the teaching of Paul back to their the barracks and to the other guards, and somehow the word of God has got spread into Caesar's own household. 
It looked like Rome was trying to quieten him down, but somehow through these extraordinary circumstances, the word of God even penetrates to Caesar's household. Now, if Paul had been pursuing his normal method of, the, of spreading the word, that might never have happened. But purely because of the lockdown type circumstances he's in, that gives the gospel the opportunity to go where it might not otherwise have gone. Isn't that amazing? So we see the word of God is not chained by our circumstances. You've probably noticed that whether it's in your location service for your family group or the bigger Thames Valley services, we've had more people than ever coming to the church services. Some of them former members who are reconnecting, some people we've never ever met before who just found out about it. We've had so many new people attending. It's been wonderful. None of that would have happened without this lockdown situation. And not only that, we've seen a number of people becoming Christians. Maybe they wouldn't have, except for these circumstances. So let's not despair of helping people become Christians and God's word going out there. God will find a way. The fourth thing we see about Paul is that his ability to communicate to church members and to the lost is expanded by his lockdown. And this sounds very strange. If you're stuck in your home, surely your communication is diminished, but actually it's enhanced. While Paul is there in Rome, he writes several letters that we still have. He may have written a lot more than these, but we have a number that he wrote. For example, the little book of Philemon about Onesimus is written while he's here in under house arrest. The book of Colossians is written while he's in Rome. The book of Ephesians also is written at the same time. And the book of Philippians. What an amazing four books. Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. What amazing books. I remember when I first became a Christian, my first favorite book was Philippians. One of the, it was the first Bible, uh, Bible book I really studied in depth as a very young Christian. And I remember how much it enriched me and how much it helped me to be amazed at Jesus because he is such a focus in the book of Philippians. What if we never had that book? Well, we might not have had that book if Paul hadn't been arrested, if he hadn't been under house arrest, if he hadn't been there for two years, if he hadn't been uh, restricted in his movement. Perhaps he'd have been too busy out there with people and wouldn't have found the time to write stuff down. How lucky we are. How unfortunate we could say for Paul to be in the situation, but how fortunate for us and for the churches involved, for Philemon personally and his household, and for the Colossians and for the Ephesians and for the Philippians. Incredible. How could your communication be expanded by this lockdown? Uh, we live in the period of social media with all of its ills and all of its positives. More people are watching things online now about God than they've ever done before. We have more opportunities to spread the word through the use of YouTube or podcasts, on Facebook and all the other platforms than ever before. It's amazing to, to discover that as you, if you type into Google or whatever search engine you use, um, questions about spiritual matters, how many people are seeking answers. I've seen so many more subscribers to my own YouTube channel. I've seen so many more people subscribing to my newsletter from my website. I've seen more people noticing what's going on that I'm posting and what our churches are posting. It's exciting to see the way that God is using this challenging time to increase the communication of the gospel. Now here's the question for you and I. 
is there a channel of communication that you're not currently exploiting that you could be using to spread the word? Could you write a blog? Or could you even just write some blog articles you could give somebody else like me to post online? Could you make some YouTube videos? Could you record a podcast? It's actually not as hard as you might think. I mean, if I can do it, I'm sure you can. Are there other ways that you could use your channels of communication, a local newsletter, a local village newsletter, or, or are you putting a poster up outside your house? I mean, what, what could you do? Again, what we, what we must consider is not so much what we cannot do, but what we can do. Could you do some writing? Could you do some broadcasting? Could you find a way to communicate the gospel? That's our fourth thing we see about Paul. Fifthly, prayer. Paul finds himself under house arrest, but he does, that doesn't stop him praying. Let me give you some examples. He writes to the book of Col to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. And he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you continually asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will, and, and he goes on to list the things he's praying about. Or uh, Ephesians, the, uh, the, the Ephesian church, chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord, your love for God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks, as he's giving thanks in prayer, remembering you in my prayers, asking, as asking God for things, praying for them. Uh, to give you wisdom, that you may know him better. I pray, he says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's a beautiful prayer here. He says, uh, as Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 21, and then, sorry, later in chapter 3, he says, I kneel before the Father. That's how he's praying. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you. And I pray that you being rooted and grasped and, and established in love may have power together. And he goes on again, beautiful prayers. And to the Philippians in chapter 1 verse 9, this is my prayer, his prayer for them, that your love may abound more and more. He prays about all kinds of topics, I guess some of them quite specific to the needs of that particular congregation. But he's praying, he's kneeling, he's asking God to help them out. It's a little bit of a, uh, not quite a guess, but a, at least an implication that I see here, which is that Paul may have spent more time praying for these people than he otherwise would have because of that lockdown situation for him. You and I might be stuck at home a bit more than usual, but no one's stopping us from praying. Maybe you're, you've been stopped from going out as much or stopped from meeting up with some people you'd like to. We've stopped having in the flesh church services for now, but no one's stopping you from praying. And who's to say that those prayers you may offer now might be more important and more effective for the kingdom than if you had been able to go out. What are you doing with your prayer life right now? How are you growing in your prayer life? What are you doing to enhance your depth of your prayer life, your intimacy with God, your consistency? Let's grow in our prayers. I've been reading more books on prayer than usual. I'm always reading one, but I've got two or three on the go right now. One in particular called How to Pray by Pete Gregg, James Gregg's brother, some of you will know. Really good book. I'm also using an app called Lectio365 at the moment, which I'm enjoying. Just a 10 minute thing at the beginning of the day when I first get up before I then go off and have my own um, unscripted kind of prayer time. I'm finding that helpful. How could you grow in your prayer life? Sixthly and finally, Paul's perspective. 
What was his overall perspective here in the situation in which he found himself? Well, for example, chapter one of Colossians, he says this, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. Colossians 1.24. He's rejoicing in what he is suffering for the Colossians by being locked up. Or chapter uh, two of Philippians, even if I'm being poured out by like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. That sounds like a strange thing, asking the Philippians to rejoice with him that he's in prison, well, that he's in under house arrest. Why, would, why rejoice? Paul's perspective is there's a, there are reasons to rejoice in his sufferings because of what's happening to him is blessing other people. Then in Philippians 1, he says that I hope I will in no way be ashamed, will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. In other words, Christ gets exalted through his, through his uh, house arrest. That's all he cares about, is Jesus gets to be more magnified, you could say, because of what's going on. And then also, he gets the opportunity to practice what he preaches. He said in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, not only so, so we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Paul says, that's, that's how we're meant to be, Romans. And now he's in Rome, and now he's actually having to live that out. And of course, he lives it out wonderfully, to practice what he preached. You and I have a tremendous opportunity right now to grow spiritually in ways that we wouldn't have had that opportunity had we had normal life. This is a great time for personal spiritual development. We're being given different challenges. We're being given different opportunities where then God can move and work in us and transform us into Christ-likeness more than ever before. Isn't this wonderful? It's not easy, but it's wonderful. This might be the best opportunity for spiritual growth you've had for years. We need to see it that way. Well, to wrap up, I think the key scripture from Paul's writings during this whole time, in terms of the way we, need, we, we can think about it that might help us, is what he writes to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Isn't that a brilliant phrase? They dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Why? Something to do with the fact they've been inspired by Paul's example there in chains. If he hadn't been in chains, if he hadn't been under house arrest, they wouldn't have been inspired. And, it's, and because of all this, again, the gospel of Christ has gone to more people. More people have heard, more people have decided to make Jesus Lord, and Paul himself and the people around him and the churches he's written to have had a chance to have their faith deepened, strengthened. Fantastic. Wonderful things. Now, not easy but wonderful things for all of us, wonderful things for all of us and for the people around us. 
So let me ask you, what has struck you the most from what we talked about here today about Paul? about his attitude, about his perspective, about his actions, about the opportunities he either took or created because of the enforced lockdown that he had. What stri- struck you the most? What might be the most useful thing for you in your personal situation that we've, from what we've talked about today? I'd love to know. So if you get a chance, do share it in your family group or with your friends or perhaps post a comment online wherever you hear or see this recording. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be hearing from the Abuchis, the Patels, the Olivers, and the Packhams, their take on some biblical characters who had some sort of limit, um, lockdown-style circumstances in their life and the way they responded to it by faith. I hope this is helpful. This is a, a challenging but wonderful time, opportunity that God has given us. So let's make the most of it by faith. Take care and God bless.